not here to do your thinking, Agent Mulder. Hello, and welcome to Condensed Truth, the Essential X-Files podcast. I'm your host, Shelby. And I'm Laura. And this week we watch Season 2, Episode (laughs) 4, Sleepless. This episode aired October 7th, 1994. It was written by Howard Gordon and directed by Rob Bowman. Howard Gordon is another one of the writers that was on the X-Files staff for a while that we haven't covered yet. And... Howard Gordon went on after the X-Files to co-develop Homeland with his partner, writing partner, Alex Ganza, who he also wrote a lot with the X-Files, with him and Alex wrote a lot of X-Files episodes together too. He also worked on 24. So both of those influences shine through in this episode (laughs) of like uh, intelligence, cop, like military, Mm -hmm. you know, the, the shady underbelly. To a degree. Uh, but this was the first episode he wrote solo. And he was he was really stressed. And he had a script. And he was like, this sucks. This script sucks. <laughs> <laughs> and so he... It was two weeks from when they were supposed to shoot this episode. And he's like, I have nothing. This is garbage. And so he couldn't sleep for like two days. And then he was like, what if somebody couldn't sleep for a, a long time? And... They kind of, this episode kind of came out of that. And I think Chris Carter added the super soldier type element to it. But yeah, it mostly became his anxiety and fear of putting in an episode that kind of sucked. Mm -hmm. So I thought it was a a really interesting origin story of this episode. Yeah. And also a note, he mentioned like he told Chris and he was like worried that Chris is going to be like, you don't have the episode written in. It's like two weeks out. (laughs) But he was like, no. You know, it, do whatever works for you. Works for me. So I, I kind of wanted to say, like, we trash on Chris Carter a lot, and he does deserve it. Mm-hmm. But from what I can gather, and obviously this is like self-selecting people who still keep in contact with him, maybe right, or like people willing to go on the record. So I'm not going to say like hands down, he's like the perfect boss. But he honestly seems like a pretty solid boss. Yeah. Like I wonder if his like attitude on like oh it's like two weeks out and you don't have the script yet is because maybe he has also written some last minute <laughs> scripts himself. <laughs> maybe, but he actually got his start. Uh, he he used to write for Surfer Magazine and he did pottery, <laughs> and so I think those two things of like they're not like chill necessarily, but there is like a chill mm-hmm. vibe. Mm-hmm. Like with pottery, you kind of have to keep doing something until it gets perfect. Right. And so I think to him, he was like, yeah, that makes sense. Like, if it's not perfect, you should go back to the drawing board (laughs) rather Mm -hmm. than like, what the hell? But yeah, you're right. He probably uh, scribbled some last minute stuff in his day. (laughs) I hope that was his excuse for some of those episodes. Right. Exactly. It was just like, "Mm, I'm pretty sure some of these are probably written pretty last minute. (laughs) Like, what the hell, dude? Yeah. Yeah. So that's uh, my, my little fun facts I learned researching this. Um, But the plot of the episode is Mulder gets tipped off to investigate a death of a sleep doctor and gets assigned to the case with another agent, Alex Krychek. They connect his death with another and they find they were both involved in the Vietnam War in an experimental squadron that had the soldiers get part of their brains cut out so they no no longer need to sleep. Mulder tries to catch up with one of the soldiers who's now killing the others to make them pay for their crimes to expose what happened to them at the hands of the military. 
Do you have any opening thoughts? I actually have opening thoughts that are unrelated to this episode in that uh, <laughs> I already told Laura about this, but David Duchovny and Julian Anderson <laughs> are hanging out and they decided to terrorize me like again. It's 2015 again. Yes, they're tweeting about it. And yep. my entire timeline, like people I didn't even know watched the X-Files were like, not this again. <laughs> yeah, basically. I It was very nostalgic for me to see it on the timeline again. Like, oh, wow, it's yes. been so long since they've just been tweeting about how they're hanging out now. Yeah, like when the revival was coming up, they they just like both started tweeting a lot. Like mm-hmm. neither of them tweeted a ton, but they were like, they were on a tear. They were hanging out and they were like having fun. And so they were just like openly flirting on the timeline. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty <laughs> like, egregious, actually. <laughs> like, like 2015, 2016. It was so, it was so much. Yeah. <laughs> I want to make it clear. I'm not a Golovny shipper. Um, <laughs> yeah, like, you know, shipping real people is a bit different than shipping characters. Yeah. <laughs> yes. But I do want to say Golovny shippers, they're feasting today. <laughs> they are. Finally. <laughs> so shout out to y'all. <laughs> I hope y'all are having a lot of fun today. It's a feast or a famine with them. Yeah. I was like watching the episode. I took like a five minute break to check Twitter. <laughs> and I, I just Bad opened idea. it and they're de- I'm just getting terrorized by Jillian again. 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 <laughs> That's unrelated. But I thought it was fun background to us watching this episode. But yeah, I, I like this episode. I, I wouldn't say it's one of the strongest, but it is interesting because... Yeah. They occasionally talk about the military in like a very direct way, like this episode mm-hmm. does. Mm-hmm. And we weren't going to talk about it at any point. But then I added this one last minute because we get introduced to Crycheck and yeah. the informant. And so, yeah, I think it's, like, it's, why Im- not? it's important because it is our first introduction to Crycheck and whoever this new informant is. Um, yeah, I think it's like a it's like I think it's an OK episode after all. There's parts that like I think don't really hold up like almost 30 years later (laughs) yes yes which is fair um but yeah (laughs) yeah so we we open on new york city the big apple Mm -hmm. the center of the universe as they like to tell us (laughs) eurocentrism (laughs) (laughs) and um this man is sleeping on his couch he's bullied him older and he awakes and he sees a fire he sees smoke under his de- uh, his door so he opens the door and there's fire and he, so he calls 911 he's like help there's a fire and they the f- firefighters come to his apartment and they're like there's no fire and they find him dead in there and with a spit fire extinguisher yeah here's here's my thing about this scene because he, okay. he's like there's a fire in my apartment and i have no way out doesn't like everyone in new york have a fire escape or is that just like something media has like sold me that's like totally untrue i mean i've been to new york <laughs> but like i was like 12 but still yeah i was like doesn't he yeah, have I thought, oh y'all had those uh fire those escape? Little... <laughs> also like his doorknob would be hot if it was a real fire Right. He grabbed it and it was not hot. Yeah. 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 I don't know if it was just like he got so frightened or like he didn't because it maybe it was like a newer building, you know? Yeah. Because it could also just be like a pure adrenaline response to the fire. Mm-hmm. But yeah. So then they, the firefighters show up and they're like, man, this dude's dead. I don't know what happened <laughs> to him. <laughs> and then we get the credits and then we cut to Mulder. He's getting his newspaper from his apartment front door. And. In the newspaper is the obituary for the man who died. His name is Saul Grissom. It's circled, and there's an audio tape, and Mueller goes to listen to it, and it's the audio tape of the the 911 call. I didn't want to say his outfit in this scene, 
This is the only outfit I will comment on because otherwise he didn't look impressive. Mm-hmm. But this is such a 90s dad Very fit. Very 90s, yeah. That like pink shirt tucked into the jeans. Gee, yep. Yeah, and he's wearing like white, like, I don't know if they were Nikes, but they're like all white sneakers. He just dropped his kids off at soccer practice. <laughs> yes. Incredible fit. <laughs> and he he goes to Skinner's office and he plays him the tape. And... <laughs> They're talking about it because Mulder's trying to get assigned to the case. And I did love the the line where Mulder's like, there was no f- mention of a fire in the obituary. <laughs> <laughs> and we don't we don't have a sassy Skinner moment. But if we did, Skinner's response of, I can read Mulder. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know if it would be like Skinner's sassiest moment or Skinner's like most exhausted by Mulder moment. But yes. um, yeah, it is. It was very great. I do love how much uh, Skinner is uh, over Mulder constantly. Yeah, that was the note I had in this scene. Is if you if you look like there's a lot going on in this episode, but one thing mm-hmm. that's pretty prominent, I would say, is Mulder's working relationship with people that aren't Scully is shit, utter dog it's shit. shit. <laughs> and so you have the scene with Skinner where like Skinner's barely tolerating Mulder. He's like rolling his eyes. He looks so fed up. And then you have Crycheck, who like Mulder resents and hates. Yeah. And so it was like, you know, the setting of the stage of like, okay, this is how he acts around like people that aren't Scully. Literally, Scully <laughs> is like the only person who can work with him. Like literally. Yes. Like no one else can yes. do it because he's such an ass to everyone else. It's incredible. Yeah. I kind of get that. Like, I think because it took me like three watches to be like, oh, wait, I'm Mulder, you know? It took me a while to realize it. <laughs> And honestly, I should have realized it earlier where he's like not interested in talking to people he didn't want to talk to, you know? Yeah, that is that's that a is me big trait. mood. <laughs> but I'm nicer about it. I just want to say that I'm nicer about it. Oh, you're I'm way not nicer this about mean. It. No. <laughs> but I think people can tell when I don't want to talk to them. <laughs> if the person that you don't want to talk to doesn't know you very well, I don't think they can always tell, but like I okay. can always tell. <laughs> Skinner's like, well, okay, I'll look into it, but you got to go do your damn job and record this audio for this wiretap. He's like, okay, I'll get to do my, my job. Yeah. And this is where we get introduced to Alex Krychek, <laughs> who is no Scully. Um, that's my <laughs> he's no Scully. That's my note. Krychek, he's no Scully. <laughs> Krychek is played by Nicholas Lee. But my note about Krychek, I didn't know this until I think I listened to Kumail Nanjiani's X-Files Fault Podcasts, mm-hmm. where he he went back to like the forums, the X-Files forums, and looked oh, wow. what people were saying when the episodes aired. And um, this, is a, this is too old for us. So I might get the nomenclature wrong, but I'm pretty sure it was like Usenet forums. It's like alt.tv dot slash X-Files or something like that. Anyway, <laughs> but they almost exclusively called him Rat Boy. <laughs> <laughs> So this is Rat Boy. <laughs> you know, it fits. Yeah. And so we have Rat Boy, Alex Krychek. And he's like, hey, we're working on the case together because I opened this case that you're looking into first. So I'm the agent in charge. But you can tag along. He <laughs> was kind of nicer. He was more diplomatic about it. He was, but Mulder was still like, uh, fuck you. <laughs> no, that's that's a no for me. <laughs> uh, I, think, I think he even says, like, I, I don't like working with other people. I can't yeah. remember if that was this episode or another. Okay. I think it was He says that a lot to cry check. Yeah. <laughs> and so then we um we have a scene of Scully at Quantico. She's doing an autopsy in front of a class. 
And I did love to see because the guy pops his head. And he's like, you have an urgent call from a George Hale. <laughs> like, he, he's still using his alias. Yeah. <laughs> I would also like to know, I love how much they're hiding her pregnancy behind corpses in this season. <laughs> like, I don't like her pregnancy only because it just means Scully is in the show less. And so it's like is genuinely harder for me to watch with less Scully. But I do love how much they just hide her stomach behind dead people. It's yes. Great. It's ironic. Hiding hiding pregnancy behind corpses. <laughs> <laughs> it's the circle of life. Uh, I, I can't remember which episode it was, but I swear to God there was one where to hide her pregnancy, they just had her like very weirdly like stand. Like they were entering a building and she just kind of like turns and faces a wall. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just like... Well, oh boy. They're entering the era where it's not even like mid upper body shots with her in this episode. It's like neck and head. And that's. <laughs> and you could just see like her face is a little bit chubbier. Yeah. <laughs> it's incredible. But he tries to get her to come to New York City with him. Yes, he does. He's like, let's get the gang back together. She's like, I can't. She's like, I'm busy. Yeah, she's busy. And he's like, okay, well, that's fine. I'll send the body to you. It's like, good God. And then he visits the sleep center that the doctor founded. The doctor who died, Grisham, founded the sleep center. And he's like very briefly there. And it just sets up the whole like, you can do hallucinations to somebody if you with like mild electrical shocks to their brain. And so that was kind of the setup Mm -hmm. of like, this is the logical basis for it. Mm -hmm. But I did love (laughs) how he he ditched Crycheck earlier by... Telling him to go to get a car and then just like leaving. And so he took a taxi to this uh, <laughs> place in Connecticut. And so when he comes out, the taxi's gone. And he's like, what the hell? And Crycheck's like, I paid your taxi. I don't appreciate being dumped like someone's bad day. <laughs> he was, though. It's kind of funny. Like <laughs> He deserves. He deserves it. <laughs> yeah. Rat Boy deserves to be left in the street. <laughs> And with an ex, like probably a really like expensive cab fare. <laughs> yes. So Mulder's like trying to ignore Crycheck, and Crycheck just says, "You know, you know, back at the academy, some of the guys used to make fun of you." Oh, stop it! Are you gonna hurt my feelings? <laughs> Mulder's just like, "I know, and I don't care." <laughs> oh my god, I love that! I love that scene because mm-hmm. I love when Mulder is just like so fed up. He's like, "I don't give a shit." <laughs> yeah. Like. I don't, I don't, I don't care at all. Y'all make fun of me, all y'all want. I don't care. <laughs> but this is interesting because Crycheck is very much trying to insinuate himself into like Mulder's uh, good graces by being a believer. He's like, so, you know, some of us believed we're open to more abs- extreme thoughts, you know. Mm-hmm. And Mulder's like, okay, whatever. I don't give a shit. <laughs> but then Scully calls, and she's like, he didn't die of a heart attack. And so Crycheck and Mulder zoom off to Quantico. Where Crycheck third wheels this autopsy. <laughs> oh my god, I love this scene <laughs> so much. <laughs> Mulder and Scully are like so close to each other talking, they're like almost kissing. <laughs> and then in the yes. background, in between them, you just see Crycheck. <laughs> He's just like lurking. It's incredible. <laughs> they're just like not talking to him at all. Like she, she does only even... talking to Mulder. <laughs> And, like, when they walk in, they start their fun banter, and, like, Scully looks at Crycheck, and, like, Mulder's like, oh, right. (laughs) Like, he was just like, I'm not going to introduce him. Yeah, Scully is like, and who is this other person here? Who is this? Crycheck reaches his hand out to shake it. Like, she just, she was just holding a stomach. 
Like, no. Who would want to shake your hand? My, like, <laughs> my wife was eating when we were watching this part, and she was like, "Gross! What is that?" And I go, "It's a stomach." And then five seconds later, Scully goes, "It's a stomach." <laughs> <laughs> she was like, "God damn it, both of you! <laughs> Don't do that." <laughs> Oh, my God. <laughs> They're talking and like, yeah, Krejcik's in the corner and like Mulder completely ignores him. It just like goes to face Scully, incredibly close talking, ignoring yeah. him. But you could see him lurking in some shots. And it's so yeah. funny. I was like, God, they are like they are those people, you know, they're a high school clip. Krejcik can't yes, them at yes. <laughs> They're like, OK, never mind. And anyway, as I was saying, Scully, how have you been? <laughs> Ignore the rat boy in the corner. <laughs> but she does tell him that she found uh, a lot of secondary characteristics of someone who was in a fire, but none of the primary ones, meaning like the guy didn't have any burns on his skin. He had the muscle reflection that like characteristic of uh, a burn victim and he had some brain wounds or so i don't know i didn't quite follow what that was but it was like brain hemorrhages that are caused by exposure to intense heat so your okay blood vessels yeah. will burst in your brain that makes sense so she was like he doesn't have burns but other than that i would characterize this as like a burn victim right mm -hmm. uh, which is really interesting because it's like okay so these people are dying from what they think they're dying of because the guy yeah. thought he was on fire but he wasn't so yeah that's kind of the M.O. of our killer in this episode. Mm -hmm. And then we cut to a scene of a man laying on the couch watching uh, knockoff QVC. <laughs> <laughs> and he has the same scar as uh, the the guy who killed Grisham, who we got a brief glance of as he was evacuating the apartment. <clears throat> and, um, and then we see the guy on the couch, his name Henry. And then the guy who comes in to talk to him is... Cole, Augustus Cole, who is the killer. And so mm -hmm. they're talking, and, and this is where we get more insight into Augustus Cole and his, like, why he's doing what he's doing, and that, like, he was in Vietnam. And they talk about how they kind of allude to some of the awful things they did in the Vietnam War, and they allude to not being able to sleep for 24 years. Mm -hmm. And the Henry calls him Preacher because that's his nickname. So if I call him Preacher or Augustus Cole, it's the same person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we see, like, uh, we have, like, he talks about, like, you know, paying for what they've done, right? And that's, he said that's why he killed Grisham, because, like, they had to pay for what they did. And then, <laughs> following his logic, Henry had to pay for what he did. And so, mm -hmm. he has Henry hallucinate um, some Vietnamese people who are bandaged and bloodied, and they pull out rifles and they start shooting Henry. There's, like, a very interesting moment where henry closes his eyes and leans his head back kind of in relief right mm -hmm. and rob bowman said he added that in because uh howard gordon was like these guys have been suffering for so long and so rob was like well i imagine this is a really cathartic experience for him then that like yeah. he's finally going to have peace and so that was the impetus of adding the like mm -hmm. closing his eyes and leaning his head back but i thought it was a this was a really interesting scene like I honestly thought it was like maybe one of the strongest of the episode. I think it has really strong imagery. It hits 
it feels a little it almost feels a little exploitative to me actually like i think i think what they have going behind it like the intent behind it is good but like we know what happened in vietnam we can surmise from what they've just told us about what they did in vietnam we don't necessarily need to see a bunch of like asian people bloodied even though like it is them exacting revenge it's not them actually exacting revenge though right right yeah 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 I definitely agree with you. I think I think a lot of like, I mean, we'll get to this a little bit later, but I do think like one of the frustrating things about this episode is I think it could have handled the notion of like revenge and like mm-hmm. pain for what happened a mm-hmm. lot better than it does. Mm-hmm. And so like, I definitely agree that like, I think it's really visually capturing mm-hmm. and there's like this tension in it that I really liked, but I do agree that it is a bit messy as far as like storytelling goes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I, with that with that caveat of like, <laughs> this is very 90s what's happening right here. Yeah, it's definitely one and, of those elements that didn't age very well in this episode for sure. Uh, yeah, I agree. And also like even the notion of even the notion of telling war stories from v- veterans perspectives mm-hmm. is like that's there is a there is something to be said about that. But it's also the only story that is told in American media mm-hmm. is yeah. the veterans. Mm-hmm. And so like that part, I was like, like yet another, you know? <laughs> yeah. And I think in America, too, we tend to focus on how we mistreated Vietnam veterans, especially once they came home. Mm-hmm. And we focus more on that and a little less on the system in place that led to Vietnam happening in the first place and how like the the setup is like, (sighs) isn't it bad that the U.S. lost a war? You know, like it's bad that they killed a bunch of innocent people. (laughs) Right, right, right. Like the angle that gets taken so much is like, isn't it bad that we got a lot of our people killed for this war that was unwinnable? And it's like, okay, like, like, yes, but (laughs) there's something that here that's worse. The sheer amount of damage and panic and like violence left behind in those countries and like the only thing the u.s media seems to be interested in talking about is like our veterans is really frustrating i think laos today still has some of the the like highest concentration of unexploded landmines in like Mm -hmm. the world people are still dying from like these unexploded bombs and landmines that were like put there during the vietnam war by the u.s Because, like, you had to, like, dump all of your... Because, like, you couldn't bring... I think it was something, like... It's weird. Anthony Bourdain actually did an episode on this, which is kind of how I know this, because I watched that episode. But, like, you couldn't bring any of your, like, military load, like, across the border into Vietnam. Like, any of your, like, explosives or weaponry. So they, like, would dump them in Laos before they would come over. Mm -hmm. It was weird. I don't really understand exactly what happened, but... Yeah. And like we were never at war with Laos. Like the no. only reason like we bombed it as bad as we did is just because of the proximity to Vietnam and right. like I assume some other stuff. But like we don't even learn about that. Like, you know, you have right. to learn you have to seek it out yourself to mm-hmm. learn anything about what we did in mm-hmm. Laos. And like even then, mm-hmm. it's sort of like bits and pieces of like, oh yeah, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Not even to mention how many like CIA officers we just had crawling in Laos. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> like we, a big the secret CIA war was vibe. establishing like a secret like army in Laos before yeah. Vietnam War started. But whatever. Yeah, all the all the secret wars that the CIA has done, like Laos is definitely up there. And yeah, in terms of what like some of the most damaging things that we <laughs> our country has done in our name, you know. Mm-hmm. Period. Yeah. So, 
so uh, there's a quick scene where Mulder and Krychek connect the fact that Henry Willig and Saul Grisham both were stationed at Paris Island uh, during the Vietnam War era. Like Grisham was there as a doctor and then Willig did training and then was sent out. And so they connect Willig to his squadron and they find that there's two surviving members. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess one because I think Willig was the other one. So then they, they get Cole's name, which leads them to the hospital psych unit Cole is in. And I just my one note is this episode is very adventurous as far as directing goes. Mm-hmm. And I really don't like the shot when they're going into the hallway because it's like this weird crane not crane shot necessarily but it's kind of higher up and it's like pulling out and kind of tilted and i just don't like it i think it's too much (laughs) (laughs) but i do like i do like the fact that this has some elements of like more non-traditional as far as like procedural tv Mm -hmm. camera work goes and they go to visit augustus cole but he has escaped via his dream powers (laughs) And then Mulder gets a call from his source, and they're off and running mm-hmm. to meet this new source. My new, my favorite source. <laughs> source has one of my favorite lines in this whole episode. <laughs> I love him. His his name is X. That's what he's commonly called. Um, so Mulder goes to meet his source in the construction site of some sort of sports facility. I assume it's a hockey rink because this is Vancouver, and it kind of had a hockey rink vibe. Yeah, you know, it was like yeah. small. And I know they don't have a basketball team, but it also wasn't huge stadium size. It could have been just like a normal medium hockey rink. Anyway, point is, that's not the point of this scene. (laughs) (laughs) But I did learn, I didn't know this, but his new source was supposed to be a woman. And they actually cast and shot these scenes with a woman, Natalia Noglovich, Noglovich. I think that's how you pronounce it. She was on, um, I think, Stargate or something. Huh. Yeah. So, but they recast her because they shot the scenes and they didn't like them. Uh. Which, like, okay, so recasting a character that you had written as a woman to a man, like, optically looks bad. Mm -hmm. And it isn't great. But I just want to say, I've seen what they've done with woman characters. (laughs) Probably for the best, you know? (laughs) It's it's probably for the best that she cast a woman in this. We would call a a girl boss, but in a derogatory way. (laughs) It would have been fun if they had a girl boss. They at no point have a source that's like a fun girl boss. They just have like (laughs) deeply, deeply, deeply underdeveloped sources that are women. (laughs) Yeah. But I've seen what the show does with women characters, and I'm uninterested yeah. <laughs> in seeing. Chris, like, Chris Carter said we can have one girl, and it's Scully, and even then, half the time, we're going to really mistreat her. Yeah, the only reason Scully... I won't say the only reason, but one of the biggest reasons Scully works is because Jillian Anderson's so damn talented. Yeah, she's so I good. think I, I think if any other actress was asked to do Scully, it would be a mess, because she's yeah. like, this writing is a mess. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway... Uh yeah, not not ideal, but it's okay. But yeah, X is my favorite, partially because he hates Mulder so much. Oh my god, yeah, he's just he has such contempt for Mulder. Where we get my favorite line of when Mulder asks him like a dumb question, and he goes, "I'm not here to do your thinking for you, Agent Mulder." <laughs> I'm just like, "Yes, King, go off, <laughs> yes, go off, dude. Get his dumb ass." <laughs> exactly. But this is Stephen Williams. Who plays X? But like, it's kind of funny because the scenes with Mulder in this ep- like in this scene, the shots with Mulder, 
those those were the original shots, like mm-hmm. which you can kind of tell because if you look at the shadow, which I was keyed into because of I read this, it does look like someone with like a longer kind of you know the short hair. woman hair, mm-hmm. uh, as opposed to like the more bald. Mm-hmm. He's not bald, but like shorter you know, cut, short though, yeah. cut. So it was funny because I was like, all right, I can kind of see this, but that stand-in is supposed to be a woman (laughs) when they cut them all there. Uh, But yeah, so this is where X gives him the data from a secret program, born of the idea that sleep is the soldier's greatest enemy. And he had that great line where X says, science had just put a man on the moon, so they looked to science to win a losing war. And and he kind of explains like what we mentioned, that they removed a part of their brain so they didn't need sleep Mm -hmm. but i really this is also like there's so many good elements of this episode that i'm like if y'all just explored this a little bit more and less got hung up on like the whole dream thing Mm -hmm. i think this could have been more solid and i think Mm -hmm. exploring the notion that like the u.s military created these men they Mm -hmm. they like took out part of their brains they were just you know, completely experimenting on them. That, like, that, well, those are really interesting avenue to explore that. I feel like they didn't quite land, you know? Yeah. Um, but then this is where we find out that the squadron had 4,000 confirmed kills for a 13 man squad because they didn't have to sleep. And it was just like, oof. oof. Ugh. Yikes. Also, ugh. like, in the previous scene with the, like, other member of the squadron that got killed, right? He mentioned that, like, they didn't have to, like, follow orders anymore, right? That's the later one. Oh, that's the later the one. one. They okay. interview- yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oops. Sorry. No, it's okay. No biggie. And I did love the line <laughs> where, like, you know, X is like, you know, Deep Throat got killed and I'm not dying for you. You know, like, he very much is like, uh, you yes. know, I'm doing this out of a courtesy. And you, you, if you can't he, figure it out, that's not on me. <laughs> he's doing this for Deep Throat, not for Mulder, because he kind of makes the line of, like, you're not the only one who cared about him or whatever. It's just like... Yeah, Mulder, Deep Throat wasn't, like, only your daddy figure. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) I did have a fun line that I I read about Stephen Williams, who he he was Mm -hmm. talking about X, and he says, he was giving Mulder all the information he needed. He just wasn't processing it properly. I think that's one of the Mm -hmm. things that drove his anger. And I do think we'll definitely see X later and we can talk about this later. But I really love that line. I was like, yeah, like he in his mind, he's like, Mulder has all the pieces. He just can't put them together, you know, for whatever reason. And then we have the scene where Scully, uh, Mulder faxes the report X gave to Scully. So she's reading about it. (laughs) I know. (laughs) And so she's 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 doing some exposition for us. And I do love her glasses reflect the blue light of the screen so, so great. I'm like, man, we've all been there, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Up too late, all the lights are off of your screen, and you're just like, my eyes are just getting burned right now. <laughs> yeah. But she she says that the surgery cut part of their brainstem, and they use supplements to get serotonin and other things that they need that they wouldn't get because they weren't sleeping. And then she gets a call from Mulder. She just picks it up. And... <laughs> Just want to say, Mulder is explaining his theory in that he thinks that Augustus Cole can project his subconscious onto or his mm-hmm. unconscious onto other people and have them dream things that he chooses them to dream. And Scully's face when he finishes so doing his, she just like looks so horrified and just like this is like <laughs> side eye, and she's just like, "Are you trying to tell me that you think?" <laughs> 
She's like, God, it was incredible. What? <laughs> she could not believe what she just heard. She's like, oh, I don't She's get paid like, enough. This is why you need me, Mulder, to keep you in check because are you okay? It's so annoying he's right. I know. <laughs> you know? I know. <laughs> they couldn't give us one. And then they have the, he, she asks him about his new partner, Alex Krychek. And he says, um, he's more open to extreme pop- possibilities. And Scully cuts in than I was. And Mulder smiles and he's just like, than I thought he'd be. <laughs> These two are flirting. They're just flirting. And I, I, yeah. I sent this to Laura, but I was watching some like behind the scenes stuff. And Chris Carter was talking about how they, they brought in Crycheck partially because they were like, oh, Jillian Anderson is going on maternity leave very soon, so we need someone for Mulder. <laughs> and so they were like, oh, I just have this, like, real, you know, by the not by the book, but, like, you know, clean-cut guy. Yeah, yeah. He's more straight-laced. He, he's, he's, he's fresh from the Academy, yes, almost. Yes, yes. Uh, and uh, I think when Chris Carter was talking about it, he said that, like, we needed someone for Mulder because he had been pining for Scully. He said, I can't quite remember what he said. He basically called Mulder subtle and subtly pining for Scully. And it was just like, yes, was boy, it. this is not subtle. They are just yes, like, openly said- flirting on the phone. <laughs> he really said that he was subtly pining for her. And I was like, he's never done anything subtle in his life. Every time they interact in this episode, they are making like, ooh, eyes at each other. Like, yes, it's not subtle. It's, I- I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. I can't believe that Chris Carter's out here being Chris like, Carter's gaslighting. Subtly, <laughs> he's, he's, this is gaslighting, he's gaslighting. Chris Carter. You know what? Honestly, I figured out why he is the way he is, and that's because he is of the mistaken belief that Moonlighting, a TV show that I have not seen or know anything about, other than I think what is his name? Bruce Willis is in it. I want to say. But it's basically a show where it was like very much like will they won't they and it was a um it was like a private eye show. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of the draw of the show was like will they won't they? And then when they did, everybody was like the show got bad when the tension's gone, you know. The show got bad for other reasons. Yeah. <laughs> and I feel so like that's just finding, lazy writing. Yeah, but like find and also the two leads hated each other, which mm-hmm. is so funny to me when like will they won't they are like they actually loathed each other. <laughs> You know it's what? Like, they were. Wow, you could have fooled me. <laughs> yeah, I think there was like a gap, or it was just like some. It was a lot of behind the scenes tension mm-hmm. that also didn't help the show. Yeah. So when I say Chris Carter, who hurt you with how he treats Mulder and Scully, like this is who it's hurt Moonlighting. Him? I would like yeah, yeah, finding out that he he believed that like Moonlighting got bad because the will they won't they got solved. What explains so much. So I, I heard that. I was like, okay, I understand this whole this dude's whole deal now. I can't believe I can't anyway. believe someone married him. Like, <laughs> like Ma'am, did that okay? ruin anything with dating your wife? Your wife when you <laughs> married her? Like, <laughs> well, that's different from a TV show. But <laughs> yeah, but it just it still doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. It's very funny because it's like you. I, there are plenty of examples of good couples on TV that like mm-hmm. still have. Because I think part of the thing is like happiness. When people are happy, there's no conflict. There's no story, right? But like, there's plenty of story outside of like the relationship, <laughs> obviously. But um, yeah, that was my little side note. It's like <laughs> I figured out. I figured out the whole deal. I found, figured out his whole damn deal. This is his trauma. <laughs> yes, but they find out one of the members of the squad was reportedly like missing in action or like dead but was still alive so they go to talk to him and 
Uh, this is where we get more information about the squadron. And he talks about how they didn't have to sleep. And so they could just kill and do night raids and stuff. And then they mm-hmm. eventually stopped taking orders. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is what's which is interesting. Cause, okay. Go it's ahead. because they like stopped taking orders, but they still continued to kill people. Yeah. Yeah. It was kind of, but like the way he said it, like when he said you top, we stopped, he said we stopped taking orders from Saigon. Yeah. Right. And then. <laughs> And then Crytek's like, your whole squadron went AWOL? And he's just like, yes. <laughs> it kind of sounded like he was, uh, they were like some secret killings, you know? It kind of I mean, seemed like yeah. they were they were in some unofficial channels. I mean, but yeah. But they didn't clarify. Probably. Probably. It just like wasn't very clear, I guess, which is like yes, fair. Right, but I was, right. I was kind of confused. I was like, okay, so you stopped taking orders from your superiors. But, but then you were still killing like still innocent people. Yeah. Killing. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't tell if it was like. The unofficial channels or like the whole not sleeping and like being in a war just like messed up their minds so severely that like. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. not an excusey way, but just like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I hand. think I would almost prefer it if they like sort of like so they to- stopped taking like official quote unquote official orders, but they were still taking like unofficial orders. Like that would be honestly a better story be in my opinion than just like they were so crazy. They just kept killing people because like then they would right. still be doing it. Right. 24 years later. But yeah. And then and then like Crycheck was like, no one tried to stop you. And again, he was like, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so this does lead to the idea of like it's unofficial orders. Mm-hmm. Like, no, why would they? <laughs> We're mm-hmm. doing the CIA's bidding. <laughs> Basically, yeah. And so then we find out Cole's next target is probably the doctor that did the surgery who was in New York City for Grisham's funeral. And mm-hmm. so Mulder and Krychek rush off to try to catch him at the train station before Cole does. And Mulder spots the doctor and Cole and he draws his weapon and he starts sh- shouting and Cole kind of like fires in his general direction. But what we see kind of like after that is Mulder like asleep on the ground, which also is confusing because it's like, so does Cole like put people to sleep immediately or? Yeah, maybe. It was, it was yeah, because it's like if it's your dreams, how, how does like a person who is awake suddenly, I don't know. Yeah, and then like we've also only ever experienced like the other killings like through the person being killed. So he could just like put them to sleep and then the hallucination takes over. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he somehow... Like manipulates Mulder's mind because Crycheck doesn't mm-hmm. see Cole, and <laughs> Crycheck was just like, "You just pulled your gun out. You started shouting. You could have hurt somebody." <laughs> but they figure out where Cole and the Doctor Girardi went off to because they look at some security footage and they figure it out. And we cut to like Girardi and Cole, and Girardi has the very classic line of, "I was just following orders." <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that that definitely worked out for, you know, Nuremberg. <laughs> that, uh, I was about to say, definitely uh, is a super solid defense against war crimes. Exactly. And so they find, uh, Krychek and Mulder find Girardi, who uh, Cole had had him hallucinate all the soldiers he cut, cutting the back of his neck. And so uh, Mulder goes off to find Cole, and Krychek stays behind to put pressure on the wound and call an ambulance. And so Mulder and Cole are standing talking and Mulder's like, I'm going to put my gun down, you know, because I'm trying to have a conversation with this guy. Mm -hmm. 
And so he's talking to him and he's like, you know, you need to stay alive because we need to hold these people accountable for what happened to you. And Cole's like very much at the end of his rope. And he's just like, I'm tired. Like, I, I, <laughs> I've been awake for 24 years, you know? Yeah, it just like doesn't matter to him. And like Mulder's, you know, desire to hold people accountable makes sense mm-hmm. for him to be like, no, no, no. Like, we got to we got to hold these people accountable. And <laughs> Cole's like, OK, but like I've been living like this, you know. But um, yeah, so. Cole puts his hand out and he's holding a Bible. Mm-hmm. But Krychek sees a gun because Krychek kind of walked up. And so Krychek shoots and kills Cole. And um, this scene plays a lot different oh, than yeah. I imagine it played in nine. Maybe it plays the same, but mm. like, because I was, I was thinking about this of like, okay, I'll just pause real quick. So if you haven't watched the episode, why we're making weird noises is because Cole is black. Yes. And so... A police officer slash FBI. A black man who thinks he has a gun when he doesn't have a gun is a bit real right now. Yeah, yeah. Like, like in 2021, that plays entirely different. And oh, yeah, and it's. I want to preface this and say, like, obviously, police violence was happening in the 90s. Rodney mm-hmm. King was beat mm-hmm. up in 91. Mm-hmm. So, so I'm not trying to say like <laughs> this is a new phenomenon, but I think very specifically this whole he was reaching for a gun that he didn't have yeah. i'm sure cops use that excuse in the 90s too but i think now like everybody has cameras mm-hmm. it it it's like very easily disprovable that like yeah. maybe like i imagine cops got to play that line easier in the 90s when things weren't filmed as well so like when the cops said they had a gun or i thought he had a gun i imagine that line was bought more if that makes sense yeah or to certain communities bought more right like right. Right. If you're a community being terrorized by the police, you probably don't believe them when no. they say that. Absolutely. And you probably not. haven't believed them when they said that for a while. But now mm-hmm. I think communities that haven't been over policed now are like, okay, they're definitely lying a lot more, you know? Oh, yeah. So that's my caveat of like, it seems to me like it played a little bit differently in the 90s, but I think that also did. could just be because, yeah, yeah. It's so frustrating because it, it just. It comes off as a, a little bit in, inappropriate. A, yeah. More than uh, a little bit. <laughs> more than a little bit inappropriate. Very inappropriate. Um, yeah. yeah. Honestly, like, yeah, the other major issue with this episode for me was obviously, like, Cole being shot. Um, yeah, I think, like, it it depends on, in the 90s, how it played, depended on who was watching it. But I feel like now it plays bad for everyone. <laughs> yeah. More across yeah. the board. Yikes. Yeah, so that that felt a little like, uh, this is kind of frustrating. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean this in an excusey way, but I do want to just clarify. A lot of the writers are white dudes on the <laughs> X-Files. <laughs> yes. So like when they when they do these missteps, like it makes sense of why they're doing these missteps because it's it's been yeah. historically easier for them not to realize that these are missteps. Right. Like it's not an I, excuse for them making the missteps. It's just like they're making them because they're white. Right, right. And I think I think it's kind of interesting in the sense that like how how just kind of like accidental it feels like that got set up this way, you know, like mm-hmm. it's just kind of funny to me because like the idea that like Krychek saw a gun when there wasn't a gun because Cole messes with people's dreams makes sense in the story. But just because of what's happening outside of in the, like mm-hmm. the real world, the context of that gets so messed up. And so oh, yeah. it just comes, it's so much clunkier than it needs to be. Oh, yeah. and it's kind of frustrating. Yeah, it's, it's pretty bad. It's just like, I feel like 
obviously that it just like didn't need to be there but yeah mm. yeah so and then at the end uh the report that Mulder and Scully had about the experiments gets stolen Cole gets killed so they have no way of holding the military accountable for what happened mm-hmm. uh, which tracks but it, it doesn't yeah. feel like that it doesn't it honestly doesn't feel that convoluted as like sometimes it does in the mythology it just felt like oh yeah. of course yeah yeah like of course they were able to track down the facts <laughs> yes yeah and then at the end we get the stinger of Crycheck meeting with the cigarette smoking man and that so he was man. he was bad he was rat boy rat boy so rat rat boy's at it and they're talking and like Yardy scra- didn't like Crycheck because he shot Cole but you know now it's like oh yeah he's also a part of the syndicate I guess yes exactly and Crycheck has this very ominous line where he says reassignment to other sections seems to has only strengthened their determination about Mulder and Scully and of course the the sinister line of like Scully is a problem more of a problem than you thought of and every problem has a solution it's like I don't like where this is going as he puts out his cigarette <laughs> foreshadowing dun 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 yes so that was the episode yeah and as we kind of talked about I thought I thought it was kind of a missed opportunity to not explore some of the angles the episode gets at mm-hmm. in regards to like either you know trying to hold people accountable for what happened mm-hmm. in Vietnam because they do have like a kind of throwaway line about Me Lai mm-hmm. and Me Lai very famously <laughs> had exactly one person who got charged and you know convicted of the crime and his yep. conviction was three months house house arrest and yikes I. I didn't know this. I was kind of skimming the Wikipedia article. I didn't read too de- in depth, but understandably, in like the perspective of you know everything, he got a lot of support and a lot of vocal people. Like governors came out and were like, "He needs clemency," you know. Like when I'm, sa- but it was very interesting because the governor at the time in Georgia was Jimmy Carter, and yep. he was in support of like um, not charging the guy who name escapes me the one guy who was uh, tried for me lie anyway it's a bipartisan effort <laughs> covering up the crimes is a bipartisan effort <laughs> giving giving massacring war criminals only three months of house house arrest is a bipartisan effort that track did i say three months mm-hmm. oh i meant three years not that it's that much of a difference but no it's still way too way too lenient yeah it's the point yeah 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 exactly but like yeah and, um, Just three years of so, house arrest. Yeah, that's all. That's all. It's it matters. So, so I think like exploring that better would have been really interesting. Mm-hmm. And I also think I even think like that angle of science, like the idea that um, science did something so barbaric, you know, to our own mm-hmm. soldiers, would have been a really interesting angle to explore more. Yeah, the, the that, like the show. Side. Yeah, the show just doesn't quite land. I did want to talk about very briefly. Like, I think this episode does have this ang- like this nugget of why I like the X Files so much is that when it isn't h- quite hitting, like I think it still is offering something really interesting mm-hmm. and something I feel like doesn't get talked a lot about. I feel like it, it's really inter- it explores things that just like that people are kind of shy, maybe shy about or. I don't know, like, it just has these really big, heady themes that are just mm-hmm. fun to sink into, even when, like, it's it's doing it a little, you know, messily. messily and I mean, yeah. <laughs> like, I, I obviously love Mulder and Scully, but I think even just, like, the show itself, like, 
there's something so appealing about the way it chooses to approach things. Mm-hmm. And so even when it's doing it not quite its best, it, I feel like it's still offering something really interesting. Like, yeah, so that's yeah. my little spiel. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, now it's time for our segments. Segments. And we start with... Agent Mulder. Shut up, Mulder. Damn it, Mulder! Mulder! How annoying was Mulder this week? I'll go first. So I also had this spiel I prepared. <laughs> it's very short. So I don't think anyone is coming to these Mulder ratings expecting some sort of like objective measure of how annoying he was, right? Right. It's yeah, very subjective. Extremely so. So I just want to add the caveat of like he I just want to say he was very annoying this episode, but I don't think being annoying to cry check counts as being annoying. <laughs> Because I think everybody should treat him with the disrespect and meanness Mulder brings to Crycheck. Because he has such bad vibes. Yeah, he (laughs) seems so sketch from the start. Like, from the beginning, you don't trust him. And that's not just, like, Mulder being an annoying little baby, like, not trusting anyone. Like, he's genuinely, like, who's this fucking, like, green-ass rookie newbie coming (laughs) in here being like, you can be, you can tag along as my second. I'm the leading officer. I respect like you when ass. I was in the academy, Mulder, <laughs> and it's like kissing Mulder's ass is not a way to get him to like you. <laughs> exactly. So I think every time he did something extremely annoying to Krychek, you know, bailing on him the first minute he could <laughs> to take a cab to Greenwich. That was pretty funny. Or uh, Sanford, Connecticut, you know, just being very mean and cold to him. All mm-hmm. of those things would normally get his score up, but because it's against Crycheck, it doesn't count. Yeah. All of this to say, I'm giving him a four. <laughs> yeah, I actually, yeah. I agree with you, Shelby, um, which is why I'm giving him a five, which is my baseline, like the lowest annoying Mulder can be to me. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's because like every time he was like an asshole, it was like to Crycheck and it was honestly pretty funny. So <laughs> Yes, exactly. And next. So uh, this must be the enigmatic agent scully scully's sassiest moment of the episode and we i don't know if we have the same one do you want to go first sure i'll go first um, she was in and not in it she was not in it enough right which is kind of like my problem with this like first half of season two it's really hard for me sometimes because i need a lot more scully for the show we're almost through it <laughs> i know we're so close there is a light at the end of the tunnel. Um, and so, yeah, she doesn't get a lot of screen time, so she doesn't get a lot of sassy moments, but they are there a little bit. For me, it's whenever she was, like, kind of flirting with Mulder on the phone and was like, what are you, like, what do you do there without me poking holes in all of your theories? <laughs> oh, my <laughs> God. Like, She's got it so yes. bad. After he after he tells her his like batshit theory, right? She's like, and I'm not there to just like poke holes and everything. It's like, yes, <laughs> bitch, you're amazing. Yes, yes, yes. It, she, she's that clean. is what you're here for, and I love you for it. <laughs> mine is like the same. So it's more flirty, sassy for me. Yeah, my mine is the same scene, except it's like after Mulder finishes telling her about his great, like out there theory, and she just like. As her mouth kind of opened, like just shocked and like looks to the side. She's like, you're not telling me. <laughs> that's my favorite. Just that face. It's incredible. Maybe I'll use that as the uh, uh, artwork. Yeah, that's the, really good. The episode. A runner up for me for her sassiest moment would be at the autopsy whenever like she just kind of like, and who are you? To like cry check. <laughs> and then like ignores Desert. him for yes. the entire Everyone should it. ignore Rat Boy. He should. We should not mm-hmm. acknowledge Rat Boy's existence. 
Mm-mm. Unfortunately, <laughs> he's on the show a lot. <laughs> so we will get more Rat Boy. And yeah. our final segment. Welcome. You've got mail. Is the 90th moment of the episode. I guess I'll go first. But I honestly had a hard time deciding. Mm-hmm. So I think to me it was I'll very sweet. But... Okay. Do you want to go first then? Okay. Yeah. I'll go first. To me, the 90th moment of this was that the Vietnam War was only 24 years ago. <laughs> um they're like i haven't slept in 24 years and yeah the vietnam war is like 50 years ago now (laughs) god that's crazy that's well that's wild it's wild how time moves forward you know yeah because it's like 2020 and like 1970 so yeah that's like almost 50 years ago now so like the fact that like the vietnam war was only 24 years ago to me is the 90th part of all of it um yeah and you know it's been 50 years. America has learned its lesson and has not engaged in the <laughs> wars that have ended up in quagmires where we spent trillions and we're still there. And uh, yeah, guys, guys, sons are taking over, <laughs> you know, your your son being sent to war, being born after it started, being sent yep. to Afghanistan to guard opium fields <laughs> for the CIA. <laughs> Shelby, the like Iraq war started when we were like 11 and we're almost 30 now and we're still there. Well, we're still yep. in Afghanistan, but yeah. Yeah. I think the Afghanistan one even, the Afghanistan started even earlier. So we don't want to do the math on that one. Nope. Yeah. So luckily you, the U.S. Totally learned our lesson. Totally, we totally learned our lessons. We did not end up in an unwinnable war. <laughs> and make it, yeah. Again. But. forever. <sighs> Yes. Um, so my 90s, so I'll just say both of them. Mm-hmm. My first one was the QVC type show that Henry <laughs> Willick was watching. Um, but I'm pretty sure QVC still exists. Or maybe oh, yeah. QVC, the expression of QVC is now I think it's um, Instagram ads. <laughs> it's oh. Instagram ads. <laughs> I was no, going to no, say no, the saying- Home Shopping Network, but yeah. <laughs> Also, like, my version of QVC is whenever I'm on Instagram and I'm just, like, scrolling through and they're just trying to get me by, like, just the worst, like, things imaginable. Like, I know. just bags that look so tempting, but I know they're probably not good. Yeah. <laughs> just, like, all that, like, cheap clothing people buy on Instagram. That's, yeah. That's what QVC is to me. Even though they they weren't really, like, clothing. They sold, like, jewelry and knickknacks and stuff. Yeah. I hate that, like, you have, like, one Google search because you're thinking of buying something and then all of your Instagram ads are that thing. Like, I thought about getting a new bathing suit mm-hmm. and now all my Instagram ads are bathing suits. And I Perfect. don't care. <laughs> <laughs> they just really want you to buy a bathing suit. But you're right. I think it is HSN now. And I'm sure it still exists and people still use it. But Probably. It, it feels very out of place now, I imagine. Mm-hmm. So that was my one 90s moment. But my other one um, was... Because I was trying to think. It was kind of like... Because I feel like this episode really directly criticizes the U.S. military in a way that I, I find it's like the exception rather than the rule for the most part. Because for the most part, like, one, we know the U.S. government just blatantly funds <laughs> movies. Um and so you're not going to get critique if you're paying for the movie. And so I don't know, like this kind of felt 90s to me. I felt like there was a moment in time in which it was more socially acceptable to criticize the U.S. military that it probably is less so now, you know? Mm-hmm. So those are my two <laughs> 90s moments. I couldn't really pick between the two of them. That's fair. But yeah, so as we mentioned, we I, I added this episode largely because X and Alex Krychek are introduced in the episode. 
But I also think like, you know, exploring veterans and the military is something the X-Files does occasionally that we haven't talked about yet. So I'm glad we got to talk about that. But I do think as far as the story goes, it's not as strongest, but I do think it was a fun episode to watch. <laughs> and honestly, we needed a breather because we're yeah. going to hit we're going to hit a streak of some mythology episodes coming up. And I don't know. <sighs> I think I feel like the mythology ones, they I feel like they put more stress on me. I feel like the weight of fully explaining it and like they just feel like they're a little bit more work. But hopefully they sound the same to y'all. <laughs> like, I don't know. I hope they're both enjoyable. You know? <laughs> Hello, Shelby popping in because there were two things I forgot to mention. One, if you have any questions for our theoretical mailbag episode, feel free to email them at condensedtruthpod at gmail.com. Or if you don't like email, DM the Twitter account at condensedtruth on Twitter. It would be nice to have a little breather episode and have a little mailbag episode. So if you have any questions about TV or aliens, or science, or anything like that, feel free to email us or DM us. Two, I wanted to mention that Dwayne Berry has a lot of flashing lights, so if you are sensitive to that, I just wanted to let y'all know that there is a scene like that in the episode, just so you don't get the full light spectrum without warning while watching it. Anyway, thanks, and take care. Next, we are talking. It's our first two-parter, actually. And this these are the episodes that whenever I'm very cryptically talking about the X-Files and I say, like, you know, the very important episode in season two, these are the episodes I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. So we are watching season two, episode five and six, Dwayne Barry slash Ascension. Extremely excited to talk about these episodes. Mm-hmm. So we hope you enjoyed this episode or the very least enjoyed our very long conversation about it (laughs) (laughs) and we hope you watch and tune in next time when we talk Dwayne Berry Ascension and we hope you have a nice week bye bye